0: back to the God Made Man. So in this episode, we're going to continue our conversations about dating. And like I had said in the previous episode, I'm splitting up dating into two categories. The first category is who to date. And the second category is how to date. So in the first episode, in the previous one, we talked about the who, the person. And in this one we're going to be talking about the how or the process. So if you haven't listened to the first episode, I highly recommend it. So in this one, you know, the previous episode was about 25 minutes long and I feel like this one will also be pretty long. And to some people, that might be overkill for what they think is a rather simple topic of dating. They think, you know, dating is it's not that complicated. It's it's pretty simple, but the truth is the reason why dating a lot of people have such a negative view of dating, and, and they see it in such a negative way, where they put in a lot of work and it doesn't get reciprocated. There's a lot of flakiness going on, especially in today's hookup culture. People are just in it for the sex and not anything long term. The, the reason we have all these issues is because we see dating as such a as a, such a trivial thing. It's just a simple concept, but the truth is that it's not. We we have to see dating for what it was true, what what it's intended for. And that is an evaluation period. So, you know, if the seven points that I'm going to talk about in this episode, if I had known about this years ago, it could have saved me a lot of pain, a lot of regret and a lot of hurt that I felt and then a lot of hurt that I caused. You know, I cannot recommend this episode enough. I cannot recommend, uh, you know, the previous episode enough. It's very important to know who to date and then how to date. Dating can be a train wreck. But today we're going to navigate a process that is intentional. That is the most enjoyable and the least painful journey to finding a lasting relationship. So let's get into these seven principles. Number one is to date prayerfully. For some reason, we think, you know, God cares about all the other areas of my life except for this dating thing. So, you know, and if it kind of gives us the license to Think that we can just do this on our own. But the truth is, God very much cares about who you decide to spend the rest of your life with, and it's important to invite God into that process. Carolyn Roberts, she's another YouTuber, she says that God has the biggest bank of singles, and he can put you together with whoever he desires that will help you glorify him so we can trust God in the process. When you try to do this whole thing by yourself, you leave the whole evaluation period up to yourself. But if you trust in God, He will direct your steps. In Proverbs it says, "When we acknowledge God in all of our steps, He will direct our path. He will tell us which way to go." We're not. Once you give, you know, once I started to pray more about my dating life and about my relationship life, it, it took the fear out of it because I knew that I was being led and directed by God. All things work together for the good of those who love God, is what the Word of God says, and it takes that fear. Out of it. Not that we're not that we're just going to be completely fearless and have no anxiety or no worries in this. You know, that's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying is, when we trust God, we free ourselves to be a servant and a friend to those around us. You can just relax and and, and enjoy the process because you know that God is the one leading you. We don't get to know everything that happens in this life or how it's going to happen, but we do know the person who does know everything that's going to happen, and there's a certain peace in that. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We serve a God who is strong enough to carry you and loving enough to want to. So pray about your dating life. Give it over to God in a prayerful way. Number two is to initiate with clarity. Now this specific point is more so for the men who are listening to me. In Ephesians 4, it says the hallmark of people who love Jesus is that they speak the truth in love. Proverbs 24, 26 says an honest answer kisses the lips. So another thing that Ben Stewart mentioned uh, that that really stuck with me was that ambiguity is the seedbed of anxiety. There's a Bible verse that says, when there is no vision, the people perish. And a lot of the anxiety that we feel and that we experience in relationships would be erased if we just learned how to communicate what we think, how we feel, and what we would like to do. This is the responsibility of us men, for us to initiate with clarity. You know, a woman shouldn't be asking you, what are we? And if she's asking you, what are we? Then you've already not... Done your job. You've already not initiated with clarity. Don't ask a girl just to hang out with you because that's just so ambiguous. If you're interested in a girl, ask her out on a date. Be very clear about it. Now, I'm speaking from the perspective of a guy who was never intentional about my relationships. I can't even call them relationships. They were situationships where even though I was the only one talking to the girl, and she was, you know, she wasn't talking to any other guys, and I wasn't talking to any other girls. I would make it feel like a relationship, but I would never state, hey, you know, you're the person that I want to pursue. Let's be boyfriend and girlfriend or let's be in a serious committed relationship. I never stated it. So because of that, like the, like Ben Stewart said, ambiguity was the seedbed of anxiety. So I've been asked more times than I would like to admit, hey, what are we? Hey, where is this going? And it came to a point where women were, you know, ending the relationship with me because I couldn't solidify what I wanted in the relationship. And there's nothing more emasculating to a man than that. When a woman has to wear the pants because you couldn't do it. And the clarity and the clarity is not just with initiation, but also in an exit strategy. Now, let me be, you know, let me go into this a little bit. Be clear on how it might end. Ben Stewart said that he told his wife, if at any point you don't feel comfortable, let me know, because." I'm trusting God with my life and I'm trusting God with your life. So if, there, if anything doesn't feel right, we can stop. We can end this at any time. Provide a clear door out because clarity gives peace. Now, I've also, you know, as I've grown and I've learned more about this, I've become very intentional with how I pursue a relationship. And I've talked to some girls who, since they were also doing the same, they told me, hey, look, you're a great person, you're a great guy, but I don't see this going further in the future. They've told me that, and I've told them that. And trust me, this gives you so much clarity. Even though it stings or it might hurt in the moment, depending on how long you were talking, it gives, you know, men will appreciate it. Especially, you know, if a girl tells you, hey, I don't see this going anywhere, men appreciate knowing what the girl is feeling. And I know women appreciate knowing what the man is feeling. It, you don't waste any time. You don't wonder, you know, what are they feeling? What are they thinking in their mind? You you honor them when you make it very clear what you're feeling, where you think this is going to go. Stop playing games with the other person. Games are for people who just have nothing better to do. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Number three is Autonomy. Much of the angst that we have in dating is because we see dating as a status and not a process. And when we read the Bible, there is no status of dating. You know, in today's world, you're, either, you're single, you're dating, or you're married. And when we think that once we start dating somebody, we are now privy to certain privileges that we don't have as a single person. But this is not biblical at all. This is completely man-made. When we read the Bible in First Timothy, Paul told Timothy, treat older women as mothers and younger women as sisters. So in the Bible, there are only two distinctions. You're either a brother and sister in Christ, or you are married, man and woman married under a commitment, covenantal relationship in front of God. So those are the only two distinctions. When we see dating, you know, this period of dating as a relationship status, then we have to ask ourselves, so what's the rule for this new status? What, you know, how much, how, how far can we go physically? Uh, what can we do? What are the benefits of this new, you know, this new arena that we've created called dating? But the truth is, Christ doesn't acknowledge, God doesn't acknowledge this status of dating. There is no relationship perks that you have in dating. Dating is a process of evaluation. And dating is not made so you can conform somebody to the standards that you have imposed. It's not that all of a sudden you get access to this person's body. That's not how it works. That is not a godly, biblical way to look at dating. Dating is you are getting to know a brother and sister in Christ and wanting to see if you, you will progress into a future relationship with them. Men, would you fool around with your sister? You wouldn't. Girls, would you fool around with your brother? You wouldn't. So when we look at the relationship in those two ways, how God sees it, you're either a brother and sister in Christ getting to know each other, or you are a man and woman who are married. That's that's the only, you know, distinction we have in the word of God when it comes to this. Try to make it sound as romantic as you want. You know, people will say, oh, we're, you know, we're committed to each other. We have kids together. We live together. None of that means anything unless you are committed in a covenantal relationship of marriage before God. You can try to make it sound as romantic as you want. It's not. It's selfish. In marriage, two become one. Until that happens, you are still two. You are accountable before God with your own life. You are autonomous by yourself until the day you take that covenant before God. Ben Stewart talks about a time where he told, this is what he told his wife or his future wife to be. He says, You have to make your own decisions under God of where you're going to go and how you're going to serve and what you will do. I'm really enjoying getting to know you and I can see us moving toward marriage. But until that day, we must make our own decisions. And then he said, The tension of knowing that she had complete freedom to leave at any time forced me to prioritize the process of really evaluating whether or not we were meant to be together, whether or not we would fit and knowing that there was a barrier of separation between us made me seriously think about my willingness to cross the line of brother and sister in Christ to husband and wife until death do us part. This evaluating took about a year. After that, I was convinced that life with her was better than life without her, and I didn't delay getting a ring. That's what you want. A season of real evaluation that leads to a solid conclusion. Either we are a good partnership or we are not. Women, if you're giving this guy every benefit of a marriage relationship without, having, without him having to commit, why in the world would he commit? You're letting him live in your house. You're letting him have sex with, you know, you're, you're having sex with him. You're giving him kids. You're feeding him. You're doing all the things a wife should do. And why in the world would he want to commit to you? What, what benefit is there? You know, you get all the benefits of the marriage without any of the obligations. Dating is not a way to maximize your benef- benefits and then minimize your obligations. It is not romantic to waste each other's time. So date to evaluate and evaluate as quickly as you can, but as long as it takes. Number four is purity. In, in today's culture, it's not even a thing anymore. It, it, people ask, is it even realistic to say that, you know, people are sexually pure in this modern age? But the truth is Introducing sex into the dating process too early sabotages your evaluation process. It sabotages your way to fully evaluate whether this person is the one you want to spend the rest of your life with or not. Sex is more than just a physical act. It's not just two people you know, having a physical interaction between each other and that's all it is. There's an emotional bonding that takes place. There was an article in psychology today that said that the duration of a romantic relationship was not what determined the severity or the difficulty of the breakup. What determined how severe the breakup was was two things: the amount of time people spend together and the amount of physical contact. So whether we engage, you know, whenever we engage in sex, your mind takes a dopamine bath, and as a result, we associate this person that we just had sex with with that dopamine release. And so our brain tends to seek out that person. So when we break up, our brain goes somewhat into of, of a withdrawal mode. Some people expect they, ex, they express, um, they feel panic and nausea and tears and GI distress. And it's because you're physically addicted to this person. So it's obvious to see how introducing sex into a relationship too early before you've committed to them can distort your evaluation of this person. In the Bible, the word for husband and wife in the Old Testament is translated as best friend. When dating is done right, it helps you evaluate the kind of connection you have with that person. But when you introduce sex too early, your mind is just shot with a bunch of chemicals that makes you addicted to their body. You get hooked onto the sex and you lose the ability to properly evaluate this person to see if you even like this person. There are so many people... I'm sure you've heard about it. It's like they're to you're, you don't know why they're with them. You have no idea why these two people are together. And and they might say like, "Oh, well the sex is good." I, I know people who will stay with somebody because just the physical interaction is good, not because they have any type of connection, not because they even like each other. This is they they're just together for the sex and it, that shows in itself how powerful sex is. Throwing in sex too early distorts your ability to gauge whether this person is a good friend or not. It makes you stay in a relationship longer than you should and it makes the breakup more painful. So be careful when you're evaluating this person. This is why people say wait until marriage. Wait until you're fully committed to this person. Don't arouse and awaken love too early. And some people might ask, won't this create some type of tension? Yes, that's the point. I mean, it, it's, it, you're not meant to stay in this dating phase forever. This, that's the whole point. You're supposed to date to evaluate. So this, this sexual tension that you're feeling is meant to, you know, make you see this person for, you know, do I want to spend the rest of my life with this person? It's a, it's a yes or no. Jeannie Stevens, pastor of Soul City, said that sex is not just a physical physical connection. It's a soul connection. So when two souls make a physical physical connection without the commitment, the possibility for a heartbreak is almost 100%. Sex is a soul-level bond. It's not just a physical hookup. A hookup is the highest level of intimacy with the lowest level of commitment. The coupling and uncoupling we do is harder on us than showing some restraint and showing some wisdom. So if you're not fooling around, what are you doing on the, on the date is what some people will ask. Well, Let's get into the next point. Number five is to date graciously. So you like someone and you find out that they're interested in you as well. So now what do we do? So our identity determines our activity. Who we are informs what we do. If you believe in Jesus, then you know that you are a child of God and you know that so is this person who is sitting across from you. So you treat them with courtesy and respect. Even if it's not a believer, you know that this person is made in the image of God. So we treat them as such. As Christians, we live in a reverence for God. We, you know, Ben Stewart, he gives this example about this girl who in high school wanted to have sex with him. And he said, no, but he said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to use you. But she basically was willing to be used. She wanted that to happen. And he said that it was hard for him, you know, in that situation, because even when the other person is okay with it, we have to be able to see them as a child of God. And and we have to say, I'm not going to disrespect another child of God, somebody else who is made in the image of Christ. I will not mess around with them. I'm not going to dishonor them because I will not dishonor my God. When we read about the story of Joseph in the Bible, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, what did he say? He said, how can I do this and dishonor the name of my God? You know, he saw his reverence for God is what took place first in his life. And that's how he treated other people. So because of his reverence and honor for God, he knew that he couldn't, you know, aside from the fact that this is his boss's wife, you know, he, he didn't even say that. He didn't say, I can't sleep with you because you're my boss's wife. That's not what he said. He said, I cannot sleep with you because it will dishonor my God, if I mistreat someone's daughter, then her father is going to have a problem with me. If I mistreat a daughter of God, then God is going to have a problem with me. In the Bible it talks about how we should interact with other people and it says to build each other up, speaking the truth in love, and that means on a date too. So the the objective is even if the date doesn't work out, you want them to be more like Jesus. You want them to be closer to Christ because of their interaction with you. Men and women you want to treat a woman you know men you want to treat a woman in such a way that even if your dating doesn't result in marriage she becomes a better person and more Christ like because of your influence you want people to say that they became better because of you because of just spending time with you the net effect of your presence benefited them if if you know if you're dating people and you're just leaving a trail of broken hearts and confused people then you need to reevaluate what you're doing Your aim should be to bless people, not impress people. Get to know them. You know, don't care if they like you or not. Do things that you like to do. Go for a run. Do a ministry event together. Share what you're learning. You're not trying to win them over. You're just evaluating to see if they're a good fit. Listen intently. Ask good questions. Share your thoughts honestly. Compliment them. Encourage them. And speak your mind with sincerity and kindness. Don't try to impress. Dating is a period of evaluation and a period where you can bless somebody else. Number six is community. Allow other people you trust into the conversation to provide wisdom. A lot of times when we're dating somebody, we tend to pair off with them. We tend to pair off with just, you know, you and that significant other. And we have these lovey-dovey eyes and we, we, we tend to lose sight of things, of red flags that, you know, other people might see that we might not. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, it says, For the lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Romance can distort your view and it'll cause you to lose objectivity toward this person. So it's good to have as many people as you can, you know, guiding you through this relationship, especially people, married people or elders of your church or people that you look up to. It's good to go on double dates and see, you know, see what they think about this person because they might be able to see things in this person that you cannot see just because you're so infatuated or, you know, or you're willing to look past, you know, for certain reasons, but they can see it and they'll be able to call it out. This is why online dating might not be the best because it limits this community aspect. It, it just narrows, it, it creates a, a place where it's just you and the other person to make this decision you know you you don't have any outside input as to this this relationship in online dating your selection process is just between you and your screen in the past you know a guy would visit a girl's house for safety and also because the family could meet him and evaluate him and so you know when you remove those revoi- you know when you remove those voices who can speak into your relationship and the only person gives you information on that person is that person well you're getting you know a really biased point of view now i'm not saying that it's wrong to meet people online but get people you know and trust and let them speak into the process early and often talk to a lot of married people who love god and who will not shy away from telling you the truth parents love you like no one else so and they have your best interest in mind and i know this might not be the easiest but have your parents involved after a certain extent see what they think You know, it's not just two people coming together. It's honestly two families who are coming together. And number seven is to date patiently. There's no rush. Take the time and let the relationship grow at its own pace. People, you know, people will look good at first, but give it some time and let their character show. Holding back sex from a guy will really show his character, will really show what he is in the relationship to do. I know girls who didn't give it up on the first date and the guy was like, all right, well, you know, I'm on to the next because he thought that she would. that's He He thought that she was that kind of girl. And when he found out that she wasn't, he, he gave up on it. He said, nah, that's not what I want. You know, I don't see us working out or whatever it was. And she knew right off the bat that that's what he was in it for. So see how their character handles in different challenges and different seasons. Don't just rush to put a ring on it. Wait and watch. I've seen a lot of people marry abusive boyfriends or people with addictions. But the truth is, you know... There were signs early on, but we, we, they didn't pay attention to those signs. Some people, you know right away that they're short-tempered, insensitive, or perverted. Others, it takes a little bit of time. So give it time. Wait long enough to see their character. See how they react when things go wrong. See how they treat people who are who they're not trying to date. Give yourself time in every season. Let them show who they are over a period of time. You know, just like bad flaws will show over time, at the same way, good character will also not stay hidden. You want to see depth and character, not just a physical attraction. Those seven points, I'm going to go over them again. Number one is to date prayerfully. Invite God into the process because he does care. Number two is to initiate with clarity for men, especially, and men and women. State what you're saying. You know, what did I say at the end? It said, say what you mean and mean what you say. It's as simple as that. Be very clear with what you want, how you're feeling, and where you see this going. State it. Number three is autonomy. Realize that just because you two are dating doesn't mean that you get all these privileges. No, you are still a separate man and you are still a separate woman who will be accountable for your own lives at that point before God. Don't play house before you're actually married. Number four is purity. Walk in in purity. Purity of your body, purity of your mind, and purity of your heart. And know how potent sex is. When you introduce it, it'll reduce your object, you know, your ability to look at things objectively, and it'll tie you down with, the, with a person that you never wanted to be tied down to in the first place. Number five is to date graciously. Know that this person that you are talking to, this person that you are dating, is a child of God, and treat them as such. Number six is have community. Don't just pair off with this person because you want as many people involved in the process who will give you their input. People who can see things that you can't because your eyes are just so, you know, are heart-shaped and all you can see is how beautiful this person is. When other people can look past that and see, see things that you might not see. And last but not least, date patiently. Take time. There's no rush. Take time. Just like, you know, bad character will show up after a period of time when people get comfortable, good character as well will show. So give it time. You're not trying to impress the other person. You're not trying to change the other person. You're simply evaluating them for who they are. In this whole process, keep in mind that God is a good shepherd. He gives you wisdom and he gives us himself to lean on. There's no greater, you know, peace that I have than to know that in this whole realm of dating, as a single guy now, I don't have to, you know, as much as I worry about it, I don't have to because I know that I am being led by a God who cares for me, who wants a good relationship for me. So I walk closer and closer with him, believing that he cares for me and that he will lead me to the right person in his good time and in his will. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you found value from it, the only request that I have is that you share it with somebody else who will also find value. And until the next one, peace and blessings.